Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. The time has come to honor the comedic genius of Eddie Murphy and the mustache that has been right there enjoying the ride over the decades. <laughs> In 1983, when Trading Places was made, Eddie Murphy was still considered an upcoming comedic talent, but you wouldn't be able to tell with how well he comedically bounces off every single person that surrounds him in this movie. Dan Aykroyd was cinematically pretty much only known for Blues Brothers, which is badass, by the way, and uh, and that's at least to the wide masses. And this explains why they originally wanted the, the dynamic duo of Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder in this movie. And they are actually podcastio legends for those that don't know. And yes, they would have knocked this out the park, but I'm sorry. No one can do fake kung fu like Eddie Murphy. Anyhow, let's jump in our Bentley and let's bring out that frozen orange juice concentrate that's been in your refrigerator for two years and play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcastio, we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips, it's the Mustachio Podcastio. Alright. We are back. This is Daniel Segura, the host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. And today I have a, a friend of mine who, he's almost like a, I wouldn't say he's a frenemy. I think he is a friend that we just kind of like to compete against each other for no damn reason at all and completely give each other shit. And to me, that's what a real friend is all about. <laughs> His name is Tree Trace. I forgot his name. Tr oh, boo. Trace, <laughs> Trace Levos. Levos. <laughs> I have I've only said your name like your last name like once. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You get you get like the greatest intro on my show and then I get to come on this. Hey everybody. I'm happy to be here. Someone cares about me on the show and that's me. <laughs> hey man. Um so uh Trace is not only is he famously known like i remember they uh, espn sent a release out back in the day that he actually had a blog written on the espn website right man oh yeah they, they disseminated it to everyone <laughs> to make sure they knew that i was there yep but more importantly trace and his wife cinema lead one hell of a show if you are into superheroes and comic books and superhero movies primarily and uh, superhero shows as well. And uh, I just uh, gonna give you an opportunity. Tell me a little bit about this uh, superhero soup. All right. First of all, I've got to. About uh, you, you missed me standing and applauding, and I was I was all happy for you until you screwed up my name. But I was standing <laughs> and applauding that cold open. That was that was oh, amazing. Thanks. We've we've never done anything like that, and uh, that's because I wouldn't have the ability to write that down. So. <laughs> So there you go. You, the in our friendly competition, you 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 score one, I score zero right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me on it, Trace Levos. I, as you said, I, I host uh, Superhero Soup, a podcast that examines every superhero TV show and movie ever made, one week at a time, uh, with my lovely wife, who is much nicer and much smarter than me, Cinema Levos. And so yeah, basically we just go through every week and we kind of randomly pick uh, superhero centered 
film or or tv show it could be dc marvel you know whatever and we just watch it and talk about it we're not neither of us are like humongous comic experts or superhero experts so we just kind of more kind of hit on the thematic points and the different things that we like about it i've been a big uh, dc comics and batman fan since i was a kid and, and i like marvel stuff as well and my wife doesn't have too much experience with it but she she's super like a big film aficionado and stuff like that yeah. and so it's fun we bounce off each other and uh, you were on our most recent episode yes uh, uh, about judge <laughs> dread so we even do kind of some off the wall stuff like that so it's it's a good time the 1990s judge dread everybody with sylvester stallone yeah. the, the only one that matters right yes and that has been released uh as of this episode's release so go and check it out um he probably maybe it's gonna be a couple episodes down but definitely check it out and check out the rest of the episodes i I love what y'all are doing over there i i think it's i think it's a mixture of like the the sweaty balls uh, sketch from snl and (laughs) (laughs) yeah superhero stuff i was gonna say i think you said we were like npr but funny yeah (laughs) which is kind of like that's like one of the nicest things anyone said to me so i appreciate that i'm a big npr guy so uh trace today we are talking about trading places and i thought it was really funny when you started watching the movie and you texted me something like i guess there was i didn't even notice this on my version but you said there was a disclaimer about the uh the blackface and some of the other um questionable things that happened in this movie oh yeah yeah uh you know it kind of popped up there on the top left with you know nudity blackface all all the kinds of crazy stuff and uh yeah we were we were definitely a little nervous my, my wife watched it with me so oh, you know no. we were, <laughs> yeah we were both sitting there and you know it was uh definitely some stuff that is uh not cool today but you know there's, there's yes. other stuff too so it was interesting it was interesting for sure yeah this movie is um you know it's a it, it's it's a product of the 80s uh, a decade where a movie called soul man came out and it was about a guy who used a whole bunch of tanning um like tanning lotion to darken himself up so he could get a scholarship to go to harvard so that is the 80s for y'all and uh yes there are and and honestly something that still lingers to this day um and shows its ugly face and that is the use of blackface um yes dan Aykroyd in a scene comes out as a jamaican man and is the most typical jamaican guy uh that you can imagine so yes incredibly problematic um not even really needed in the, in the movie. No, he could have came scene. in as anybody. <laughs> Every, everyone in that scene was, it was like, let's think of like just the most stereotypical stereotypes <laughs> that we can do. And we'll do them all together in one scene. It was just horrific. Yeah. I would have had, I think it would have been funny because actually Eddie Murphy does a really funny Rastafarian uh, bit or like a skit on SNL back in the day. And one of the best things is so. So I think he would have been better coming out as a as a Jamaican man. But just to tell you about this kid, because I'm confident you've never seen it, he's he's playing like at an old VFW uh, like event, like a concert, and he has this uh, reggae band, and all the guys in the VFW, they're all just kind of like corny, corny, cheesy old white guys, and he's like, here's the. The the, 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 the the there's a bunch of lyrics but this is the chorus kill the white people yeah we're gonna make them hurt <laughs> so, 
That's pretty good. I'd watch then, that. Then he says, kill the white people again. Then he, but then he goes, but buy my record first. <laughs> <laughs> it's solid gold. Even though there's so much cocaine flowing through this, right? Oh, Something. It's got to be. I mean, it's the 80s. It's, it's SNL people. Like, it's just, it goes together like peanut butter and jelly, right? There's got to be. <laughs> Tons of coke. Well, and that's where, you know, I'm sure you did all the crazy research on this, but, you know, that was the whole story of why Eddie Murphy ended up replacing Richard Pryor on this anyways, because he, or, I don't know if it, it was, it wasn't this movie, was it? It was a different movie. I don't remember, but uh, Richard Pryor was freebasing cocaine and set himself on fire and shit. So, yeah, you know, yeah. he had, he couldn't get in on, oh, I don't, it was it this film or another one? But yeah, it was, it's yeah, crazy. It's, that's, that's the 80s for you. Yeah. And it may not have been this film, but for sure I did. I did hear he had some sort of injury, so maybe it was related to that. But I know the same year uh, Superman 3 came out and just did horribly compared to this. I think that's one of the things about this movie. Not only is it a cult classic now, but back when it came out, because usually when people say cult classic, it's a movie that wasn't appreciated at its time. But this movie, the budget was $15 million. It made $90.4 million dollars which is crazy yeah that's not bad not bad at all and and these are two guys that yeah a lot of people knew about them but like i said in the cold like there's just wasn't a there there wasn't a huge following you know movie wise so it sort of launched a whole bunch of careers it launched eddie murphy's it really launched uh dan Aykroyd's, and it super duper launched jamie lee curtis because she had only pretty much done what horror movies she was right. only known as a scream queen and she showed us a lot of herself uh, a lot about her acting prowess in this movie i had no idea that her mom was a was a movie star as well janet lee i, I found oh. that out looking this up she she starred in psycho and so i was I, that right. blew my mind i couldn't believe that yeah i i am a huge jamie lee curtis fan i think she is oh yeah she's one of those she can do some pretty heavy dark you know emotional stuff and then she can be pretty damn funny and she bounced she i thought she had a really good chemistry with dan Aykroyd, which probably benefits the film i don't know if she would have had as good of a chemistry with gene wilder if they had decided to go with him so i did like her character a whole bunch and to just basically sum up this movie um before we get into any more details and for those weirdos that ha haven't seen trading place places like trace uh <laughs> trading traces baby <laughs> trading traces this movie is basically about a, a younger African-American homeless man who falls ass backwards into running into a very, very rich guy who is into trading of commodities. And he gets chased in these two super duper rich, rich guys. And by the way, I should have said this in the cold open. We have beat the record for the amount of rich whites in a, in a podcasting movie i don't think oh, we'll yeah. ever beat it i think this no. is it <laughs> i don't think any movie will ever beat this this is as this is as white and rich as it gets trust me coming from an expert here not on being rich but at least on being white yeah yeah and so these two super rich guys uh the duke brothers obviously influenced by guys like the Koch brothers and you know all these other old uh guys that have been part old of ass white guys family fortunes yeah they decide to play around and uh hold up a bet um where the one of them feels uh randolph i believe feels that um if you had just put a guy like eddie murphy <laughs> into a position like dan Aykroyd's, 
he would be just as successful. While the other brother, uh, Mortimer, feels like no, it's about um, it's about his who he can't. It's his. It's in his blood. It's where he came from. It's part of who he is. You couldn't just take someone off the streets and throw him in this in his position. They would do just as good. And uh, yeah, so they decide to have this whole thing, and fun and comedy ensue. And Trace, I know that you not only told me that this movie you weren't a, a huge fan of it but you told me you're not a huge fan of eddie murphy explain yourself <laughs> okay so obviously you know the thing you always tease me about which which is fair i was born in 1992 right so I, i'm 28 years old all of my experience is colored by being you know only 28 years old right so i you know eddie the eddie murphy that i grew up on was like the donkey on Shrek, like that's that's the Eddie Murphy I knew, right? So Eddie, Nutty Professor, yeah, somewhere. yeah, that kind of stuff. His his older stuff, and so, I, you know, I love SNL. I watch a lot of SNL, but the old saying goes with SNL that SNL is the funniest to you when you're like in your senior year of high school, early college, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody's favorite era of SNL is that era of SNL. So my favorite era of SNL is not you know the Eddie Murphy era of SNL. It's that you know Seth Meyers, Taron Killam. Uh, you know, Cecily Strong era of SNL from, Jesus, you know, 2010, 2011. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's your response. That's what my dad says. You know, it's like, oh, it's supposed to be yeah, the w- worst actually, era. I wouldn't say the worst. There were worse. Uh, I, I want to say maybe late 70s and uh, sometime in the 80s, there was like a really SNL was at its lowest. Uh, right. I, I'm no SNL expert, but there have been some really bad ones. Um, so I would definitely say the Cecily Strong and all those people who I think is still there, right? I think yeah, still she is still there. Some of them are still riding, but yeah, they're still riding. But yeah, so like, look, and I actually really do appreciate uh, Eddie's Eddie's SNL work. I think a lot of it's funny. I have, I don't pretend like I've watched it all, right? But I've seen a number of the the most famous skits, and and he is funny. I think once he transitioned into movies, it just wasn't my thing. I do think Eddie Murphy's funny. I just think for me, he's overrated. Like I think people put him up oh, on okay. this pedestal as like one of the funniest guys ever and just for me personally it's not he doesn't quite get to that level and i i really try hard not to let artists um you know personalities and and their personal lives kind of get in the way of me enjoying what they do but he's one of those dudes who's kind of universally known as just like a giant dick like just just like (laughs) so especially in this time period kind of once he got big you know it it, he just kind of became so full of himself and it it just kind of it rubbed me wrong a little bit so I mean, I know he's known. I get, I get. You know, obviously he does have a history, uh, and I know he's known for being incredibly private. And I think he got very, very famous and very, very rich, very, very young. Well, and so fast too. You know, it was just a matter of years. And I think that did hit him very hard. And you do become very untrustworthy and very paranoid about a lot going on around you and who's loyal to you and who's not. He built a big, big family. He has a huge family. I know that. I don't know how many siblings or how many siblings, how many kids he has, but I know it's a good amount from a couple of uh, lucky women that have enjoyed some time with Eddie. Uh, it's <laughs> so you would describe it that way. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised that yeah, maybe he is a difficult guy. But I mean, talent is talent to me, and if he sure. hasn't like killed somebody or done some crazy ass like super super messed up stuff. I I I gotta recognize the fact, and I think it's because 
he's such a legend, you know, stand-up comedian. Like that's to me where he earned his um, respect. It was on stage. Um, yeah, SNL was great. Yeah, his movies, you know, hit or miss. Some of them are legendary, and some of them are not super great. Especially like the ones like you were saying when you were young. But on stage, he, some of it may not hold up anymore. But the way he was doing it, the style, the clothing, like all those elements that he brought to the stage, I, is probably what. Um, I think brings them the respect from comedians to this day. And that's what I mostly listen to podcast wise. Everyone is I mostly listen to a bunch of podcasts that feature comedians or have guests, comedian, uh, uh, standup comedy guests. And so I hear a lot about what they have to say about Eddie. And yeah, a lot of them still have a lot of respect for his game. And he is apparently coming back, I guess after COVID, he's going to start touring again. I think he was about to go on a tour and canceled because all this going on he was finally going to come back into stand-up which wasn't he, seinfeld ooh. doing stand-up again too yeah i think seinfeld had popped back all out these there. old guys coming back yeah they're like oh shit i need to I need to get this bank need some money <laughs> <laughs> need to get the grandkids into college i feel like it feels i feel like it would be easier in a way than having to make a movie but probably not as rigorous because if you're if you're touring you're having to go place to place yeah that's how I, I know you know like way more about stand-up than i do but i've, I've watched at least a couple of kind of documentaries and specials on stand-up comedians and I, th- I think once you make it right like life is good but when you're just kind of that even when you're like pretty good and you're like that b-rate guy or, or gal who's like opening for the big you know comedian yeah. it's like it's a hard life you're staying in like rough hotels and just having to go from like wichita to freaking portland or whatever and it man that seems seems rough yeah it's very it's very um much like being a musician but i uh, what's probably even crappier about being a comedian is they have to constantly be they can only tour with material for so long and they really can't go back to those jokes it's not like a band where they can still play from their first album (laughs) play the hits (laughs) play the hits so uh but yeah, man. And so, what? What? How about your opinion on Dan Aykroyd? Are you, do you like anything from you know Ghostbusters? Is SNL work? Dan Aykroyd, he's My interesting because <laughs> I, I just look at Dan Aykroyd and I'm like, this guy should be like coaching football in the SEC or something. You know, like <laughs> he just looks like he's like the head football coach at like University of South Carolina or something. Like he doesn't look like he should be a comedian. I I yeah. I liked him in Ghostbusters. I liked him in this. I thought he did pretty good. I think it was maybe a little bit overly caricature you know, where he's oh, yeah, just yeah. like so white and so goofy and such a loser that it's like, okay, I mean, I'm a loser and I'm white and I'm goofy, but even I'm not this bad, you know, it's like, yeah. silver it got, like hardcore silver spoon oh, up the butt. Yeah. Oh man. But I, I think he did good. And it, it was interesting just kind of reading about, you know, the casting of him and how they really had no interest in him. And he kind of had to take this big pay cut just to get, the role and so i you know i respect that but uh yeah yeah i mean you know i don't i don't have a ton of history with him but i I thought he did all right and and i did like eddie murphy too i I crapped on him earlier but i mean i I think they were both pretty (laughs) pretty dang good in this film as good as it gets for for a comedy duo yeah i thought they had a good chemistry uh i thought you know some of the bits I, i i think a good majority of them i think are still pretty funny and i thought it was insane in the in the bit of research i did that in Italy, this is still considered like a Christmas tradition movie. Like it's a Wonderful Life here. Like it is a movie that everyone watches in Italy. That's your things. kind of country. <laughs> if this if this is like the feel good Christmas movie, that's your kind of country, man. And I have always considered this a Christmas movie. It's it takes place in Christmas. We have like a drunk hobo Santa. Uh, 
<laughs> Dan Aykroyd plays. Um, well, so for yeah. transparency, like we're we're recording this like in early January, right? And you you told me about this movie a couple weeks ago. You're like, all right, it was probably early December that you're like, hey, let's watch this together. And it's kind of like when you when you learn a new word and then suddenly you see it everywhere. Like I I I had honestly never even heard of this movie. And then of course Christmas rolls by a few weeks later, and everyone on my Twitter timeline, everybody on Facebook, everybody is watching this movie. And I was like, oh, this must be like set around Christmas, you know? Like I had no idea, but it's like suddenly it's all over my timeline. It was it was pretty funny. Yeah, like it's wintry. It takes place in Philadelphia, which is cold and wet as hell like that is the one thing when this movie opens up we hear the great some great uh there's some really good arrangements uh in the soundtrack for this movie like good symphonic arrangements that i i actually really enjoy that lot of like i'm rich and hoity-toity to kind of add to the whole ambiance of that whole thing well that, that was what was so funny about the intro is i don't know if you've you're a it's always sunny in philadelphia guy but um that show has uh, an intro that is strikingly similar to the intro of this movie where it's like, it's also obviously set in Philadelphia and they have kind of that like orchestral music going on, like that nice little tune as it shows all the different like places in Philadelphia. And it was weird because it was like seeing this exact same thing from a, from a movie back in 83. So it was kind of making me laugh. Yeah, that was, I thought that was fun. I I also liked the way they kept sort of, trying to communicate what the movie's about like they would show the 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 monuments of you know all these the forefathers of our country like george washington and would have all these quotes there was even one of with george washington something about a fire like the fire of blah 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 blah. and there's like an actual little fire there by the statue then they show a bunch of homeless people heating their hands up by like a dumpster <laughs> fire I'm sure Cinema would hear. She would know whatever historic quote oh, it is. Oh, yeah, she would have known for sure. <laughs> you and I are just sitting here. Yeah, the fire of you know democracy or whatever the hell. <laughs> then they show a fairly fresh uh, Rocky statue in this. Like it'd only been around for two years, I think. Uh, oh the, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was brand. It was pretty much brand new at the time. And I thought, you know, I know a lot of people make fun of Philly because you know they've had a lot of great athletes, but they honor an athlete who's not wasn't really a real athlete. <laughs> <laughs> at least the eagles finally have their super bowl trophy right so like there's something they can they can yes, hold on to finally and they're probably mad again because the team didn't do that great yeah they suck again we yeah. suck again <laughs> we suck again oh rob schneider <laughs> that's a rob schneider line there you that's, go that's a little callback to judge dread but uh but yeah so i like the way the movie opens up i like the the whole feeling of philly and where it's set up because it is a great city to show how rough it can be and how these like super super rich people are living and i was a big fan of meeting coleman uh which is dan Aykroyd's. uh he plays winthorpe that's his name winthorpe his first name like what the <laughs> i thought that was insane was it his, is this his first name or is it his last name it's his last name. So he's he's Lewis Winthorpe the third, which oh, is like okay. hella white. And then the funny thing was is I kept kind of getting confused because Jamie Lee Curtis's character later calls him Louie. And she's the only one who calls him Louie. And so I was like, wait, was it Lewis or Louie? Because everybody else besides Jamie Lee calls him Winthorpe. Yeah. So it, it's kind of funny. I was like, I'm just going to refer to this refer to him as Aykroyd <laughs> yeah as as we said on my uh, on the episode that you recorded with us I just kind of interchanged the actor's name and their actual character's name like freely I don't even care you know you can call him Dan Winthorpe if you want Dan Winthorpe sounds like a, a 1978 <laughs> NFL quarterback or Dan Winthorpe sounds like a football coach in the SEC like I said yeah 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 he's kind of <laughs> like that football uncle you know he, he coaches right. the high school college team and yeah never got married you know 
Yeah, just he, like hanging around. He actually plays some characters a little bit like that in the in SNL. So yeah, he he definitely has been pegged as that sort of guy. But I do like the the way it kicks off. We meet Coleman, who's his um his uh, butler. I don't know why I couldn't even think of the word. That's how poor I am. Uh, his <laughs> we meet his butler. Who you know I, that white guy who helps him with stuff. <laughs> you know that guy. He's, he's old. It's a British accent and shit. And we find out that he's in commodities because he starts mentioning, uh, they start talking about trades regarding pork belly. And he's into different commodities. But I think it's like pork belly, orange juice concentrate, uh, which means the crops are very important to them, which we find out later in the movie. And uh, some other stuff. Uh, They talk about a whole bunch of shit. But he's talking about that. And then we see these super rich guys... um, in their car and that's when we meet the dukes mortimer and randolph randolph kind of looks like the toy guy from home alone 2 uh <laughs> <laughs> he does oh man <laughs> yeah i like him a lot he's pretty cool he was like I, I really liked his character i thought he did a pretty good job um they both honestly both the dukes play rich guys so well ralph oh, bellamy yeah. is his name uh that plays randolph and uh mortimer's played by don amici um just greedy sons of bitches man <laughs> like, like one of the best one of the best i've ever seen on, on oh screen. yeah they fit it so well they and do. they and they liked him so much that i guess they they reprised their roles in coming to america later yeah, just because yeah apparently they were they so a, good and beloved yeah they have like a little a little uh cameo <laughs> In that movie, uh, and they do play so they play it so well. They're in their car. They're so rich. They got a damn computer in their car, which is like amazing to me. And they're looking at all the different uh, the 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 commodities. And they're like, one brother is like more nervous. He's like, oh, we gotta, you know. I think he's like, try. They're gonna sell it. Like sell, sell, sell. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. And they end up making a shitload of money. And it's all thanks to good old Winthorpe. Like this guy knows what he's doing. He's good at his at his job. The rich whites are happy. And so, <laughs> but you see that they don't really care about him. Like, there's that part where he, like, comes up and he's giving them all the, the pay stubs, like, for all the, the people at the firm. He even notices, like, $50,000 to somebody. Um, is it Mr. – what is that guy's name? Mr. – Mr. Beaks. Mr. Beaks, which sounds Clarence like a Muppet. Beaks, baby. <laughs> it sounds like a Muppet or something. I was like, Beaks? And, and that's mysterious and they're so i think that's one thing i like about the comedy is it's so cartoony like one of the brothers is like, mm-mm, mm-mm. like don't don't yeah mention. it's very screwball comedy influenced you know yeah. like it, if, if you can tell it feels kind of like we've, we've my wife and i like to watch the best picture winners all the way going back even to the 30s and 40s which normally those movies are boring but some of the some of the funny ones like it, it's kind of real reminiscent of this time of kind of screwball comedy well, it was it was I, funny i was gonna say like you know especially with some of the problematic things the two writers are timothy harris and herschel uh weingrod i hope i'm saying that right weingrod weingrod both guys that are probably in their 90s now so these two guys wrote this movie well they were very well aged and were around in the 30s so <laughs> like we're going to movies in the 30s maybe it's like almost a hundred years ago now. It's crazy. Yes, these guys are way up there, um, and also wrote Space Jam, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, '30s movies and uh, Space Jam. I don't know if you've heard of it. Just a little film, <laughs> but with it Michael is, Jeffrey Jordan. But it does make sense that 
it does make sense that this movie gives off like what you just said like this old school 1930s kind of um hammy comedy and i think what helped is john i think i read that john landis would notice that and was like i gotta hip this up i gotta bring some more energy to this i gotta make this a little bit more edgy and fun and that's why he really wanted eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd. he knew they would bring it john landis by the way um made a lot of movies you love and killed three people okay or was involved in three people dying do you know about that uh no i don't of course <laughs> i'm googling it now he uh so the twilight zone movie uh back in the day um i forget when that came out um he directed it was like kind of like mul- there's multiple directors it was like they had like three or something directors directing different parts of the of the movie and oh geez yeah unfortunately there was a freak Looking accident at this now Oof. yeah freak accident 1982 freak accident uh two kids die from the helicopter accident uh from landing on them and uh, another uh famous actor vic morrow uh got decapitated so uh, oh yes. my gosh yes uh horrible horrible situation but you know what landis bounced right back i mean he, <laughs> he did he was he wasn't found guilty he was taken to court and uh was wasn't found guilty it was able to continue but i think he did get reprimanded because he did violate um basically like the 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 like having youth i i guess like the restrictions for having youth on and, and having them pass like a certain time like you're not supposed to be working them at night and they're not supposed to be, be around explosives so he did get cited on that but i don't know exactly what may have happened because he seemed to do fine the rest of his career <laughs> but great yeah you know you know well, me i like to bring in you know hey this is what's weird about this movie there's some problematic stuff we got john landis on board we got some rich whites but at the same time a lot of people like this movie so yeah it's very beloved i when i was diving into this it was just like it's i guess ranked in like some of the greatest you know comedy screenplays ever written and things like that and it's i don't know how i missed it but you know it's me so yeah (laughs) you're like yeah i know how you missed it you're an idiot so (laughs) no no i i i will admit that i i didn't see it back in the day like i didn't see it you know when i was a yeah, a youngster probably for the better um kind of because there's a lot of a lot of nudity in this movie um and i think my mom would have been covering my eyes a bunch but i did i did see it a little bit later and i really didn't remember a lot of it because i only seen it once and so it was nice to revisit it um i like how eddie murphy comes in you know he's like on a cart and he's like he, he's a trickster you know he's just trying to make his ends he's trying to get some money and the cops find out that he's faking pretending to be an amputee from vietnam he 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 runs into dan Aykroyd trying to get away from the cops and he's trying to give dan Aykroyd back his suitcase and dan Aykroyd's like does dan Aykroyd not capture the sound of a scared white guy he's like help help oh yeah he totally does but see look we have to go back because i did one of the one of the biggest laughs i had was okay. when the cops when the cops are trying to you know show him like hey we know that you're faking this he's kind of wheeling around on that little cart and usually you think the cops would i don't know like kick him in the leg or something and be like look see you can feel but it made me laugh so hard because they both just like pick him up (laughs) 
by his arms and they just kind of hold him there until his he lets his legs like <laughs> slowly like touch the ground it's like clearly he's not gonna he can't hold them floppy like or anything you know like because they work and so it was that was so funny to me because he just slowly lets his legs touch the ground and then he's like i'm healed it's yeah. a miracle he goes full praise you know praise the lord i'm healed uh and, and he tries <laughs> to distract him and get away yes it's so good I love the idea, so like, even the idea of, like, oh, I'm going to make this little cart with wheels and so I can wheel myself around. And he has, like, stuff on his on his knuckles so he, <laughs> he can, like, kind of push his cart around. It's so funny. That would hurt, though, man. I don't know about you. Like, I don't feel like I can kneel for very long oh, no. in my life right now. Like, I think I could get down on the floor and kneel for, like, a good 30 seconds and then I'd be like, all right time to get, time to get up <laughs> that the only thing i could think of is i guess it works for him and that's why he, he sticks to it because you're right i would be absolute my back would hurt my lower back would hurt my legs would yeah hurt. i guess if you told me i if i kneeled i would get some money all right then it'd probably be a different <laughs> ball game but and uh he actually does run into mortimer and randolph and they just like basically tell him to f off and around that same time that's yeah he runs into uh, runs into good old Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd calls the cops on him. All of a sudden, like fourteen cops chase this one homeless guy into the mansion, who's running with Dan Aykroyd's. Uh, Eddie's running with Dan Aykroyd's little suitcase, and he eventually throws it. He's like, "I don't. I wasn't trying to steal it. Like I was just trying to get out of here." And they were about to arrest him, and I think it's Randolph that's like, "Oh, you probably didn't come for much, and you came from the streets, and blah 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 blah. Education, blah blah blah." And you see the cops are kind of like, there's sh- there's like one cop that's visibly like shaking his head. He's like, can we just take this guy in? We we don't give a shit about his history or where he came <laughs> the from. The cops? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> I like how true to the, the movie was to, to that situation because you really do see a cop like, are, are you going to keep asking this black guy questions? We're trying to arrest him, god damn it. Right. We have a quota. <laughs> and so... I think uh, was it at this point they so they let the cops take them, but that's when all of a sudden Randolph and Randolph comes up with this idea to uh, to to take them in. And I I think there's a part here where Mortimer Mortimer says Negro in a way that I thought he was going to say the N word. Oh yeah, because uh, Negro oh. at the time was the Norman Glacier, I guess, or was one of the one of the 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 ways to say african-american negro was actually commonly used but then over time is just not used at all anymore like that is not what we don't use that word anymore so i I would imagine for you hearing that it was probably different because i don't know how many movies you've heard where you've seen where they say negro yeah not a lot i feel like it was probably i'd have to check with my wife on this the historian but i think it was probably by like the late 70s early 80s that that was really starting to get phased out yeah. you know because it was obviously in the 60s it was happening a lot um i remember the one that was kind of in between you know that and then what we have today which is you know proper <laughs> proper nomenclature and respectful nomenclature but yeah. uh, afro-american was in there for a while yes, too you know that was one that they used and i feel like that was probably maybe more in the 70s and 80s but i'm you know i'm no historian but yeah it was it was crazy and then the actual n-word being dropped later it was just kind of oh yeah shocking that hit you know me hard. So. i didn't i honestly forgot that they used the word but honestly if the movie was even more realistic they would have said it more 
So oh that, yeah, that is what's well, so crazy. And that's yeah. And I was when I was looking this up on on uh, you know some of the research is that you know I think it's in some countries. I don't know if it's in Italy where they show it all the time, but there's been some countries where they've shown the movie on TV and then they censor out you know the N word when they use it later. And you know there's been uh, you know black and, and African American critics who've said you know hey don't don't censor it out you know because we can't let this word disappear we can't pretend like people didn't call us that or don't still obviously call us that because we you know you and i both know they're still old old white guys and young white guys and all kinds of people who still use that word today you know shamefully so yeah it's it is kind of interesting you know how it how it's used and i don't think it was necessarily used in a in an inappropriate nature in that sense but far be it from me to you know, declare yeah. declare where it's you know properly or not properly used. Yeah, it come, yeah, and, and I think what makes it uh, in the movie what kind of hits you in the chest when you hear it is the fact that you know Eddie Murphy is watching them say it because he's like kind of sneaking in that right. part, and I think that made it even more um, to me. It hit me even harder because I'm like, man, that, and and obviously the you know in the movie and, and even. Eddie Murphy in real life has probably heard that word uh, a, a bunch, but hearing it of from course. this character who has made um, a huge strides, like in kind of learning more about himself and learning more about, you know, I think that's the thing. I think that that's what's weird about this movie is there's like very questionable stuff, like the use of the end where there's there's the the blackface and and also a lot of just you know jokes that just don't work now, but there is kind of a message in in, in kind of intertwined as well it, and i think that's always a common thing with a lot of movies that do things that are questionable it's like they have like an intention to try to do something good but then they do stuff like like having right dan Aykroyd as a bacon guy that just is like well come on man well and it's funny because i'm sure like in in like the 2040s you know or 50s we'll be looking back on movies from the 2020s and it'll kind of be the same thing you know oh, we're yeah. constantly learning but yeah you're right it's it's funny because you do have those things that are definitely like not cool and not acceptable today but then you know i was reading that you know there's a lot of um you know uh, uh freestyling and and uh, ad-libbing that from eddie murphy that they kept in in the film and he even rewrote parts of the script just because you know he said look a, a white writer writing for a black person is just going to use stereotypical language he said they were using stuff like jive turkey and sucker and things like that oh, yeah I'm and not so surprised. he was yeah, he he rewrote a bunch of the lines, you know, for his own character so that they would sound more authentic, which is like duh, you know, of course yeah. if you're going to let Eddie Murphy write the comedic lines that a that a black person would say instead of some dumb white guy like me, you know. So I, I that's that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, but like, then I like yeah, the whole part in the prison. Like to me, I feel like that was probably a part that Eddie rewrote cuz that's yep. a very much Eddie bit. I like the the <laughs> where he's he's talking about all this crazy stuff that happened and he starts doing like some weird fake kung fu and he says um <laughs> he's like I call that the court of blood technique because when you hit yeah, someone dude. with that hit they lose a court You're of blood. You're spot on. <laughs> You're spot on. That was exactly one of those lines that they that they kept in from him was one of those and then the other one that I really liked uh, was uh when he was calling randolph randy jackson he's like oh randy like randy jackson of the jackson five and that, that was one of the lines that they kept in too that was just a an eddie murphy ad-lib you know and Ra- so. randolph does that good job of looking like kind of uncomfortable and confused. oh yeah like, uh, it was yeah. the dude it was the perfect old white guy like reaction where it's just like sure son yeah that's that's right you know oh god uh I, yeah the, the prison scene actually um uh I'm not sure if I have this in my notes, but in the prison scene, there's there's the um, oh my god, why is his name? Um, 
uh, skipping my mind. Hold on. Now I have to. I have. To. I think I've. I think I've. I think I know what you're trying to reach for. But it's. Uh, we actually honored got- him on my show, and it's not even hitting my brain. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same one, but I know uh, John Carlo Esposito yes, thank is you. in there as a cellmate, and we all know him name. recently from uh, from Mandalorian. So oh, that's yeah. uh, that's interesting. And then the other one, so this is my favorite character in the whole film, is uh, J T. Turner, who's one of the big uh, the big African American men there in the cell <laughs> who just keeps saying yeah. He's like, yeah, after after his buddy like makes threats and, and says yeah. all this stuff like, we're going to beat you up or whatever. And then the other guy's like, yeah. And that's JT Turner, who was apparently a former NFL player. Oh, I mean, so, I believe it. The guy is yeah. just, man, he's just like, he'll truck you over. But yes, yeah, so that whole bit where he's like, yeah. <laughs> so that reminded me so much of you and me. So it's like, that would be, you'd be the one like spitting out all these threats and stuff. And I'm, of course, the wuss. I'd just be standing behind you like, yeah, yeah, what he said. <laughs> That would be me. <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. And I like that they kind of brought him in later because uh, Eddie gets out. They uh, He gets he gets taken out by the Dukes, the Duke brothers. They let him in the car. They have this whole exchange. Oh, another problematic thing is the other F word is said a couple times in this movie. Um, by uh, Yeah, that's which right. Which he used to say in his stand-up too as well. So it was something that i'm sure he he integrated into his lines well and that's one that definitely held on for a little longer because i remember oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you and growing up and me growing up i i heard that all the time you know that was one that was just kind of thrown around but yeah and uh he he throws it around in this one because he is convinced like okay these two rich guys are just trying to corner me so they can basically take advantage of him and he's talking to the driver who is also african-american he's like hey man do you you know what's going on with these guys like you know are they trying to take advantage of me he but he uses the other f word and uh the guy's like nah i don't think so and he's like do you think i should like i forget what he says like should, should i just kind of work with them and see what's up he's like i don't know he's like well thanks for the help man you've been great you've been useful <laughs> Something thanks like- a bunch dude thanks for nothing <laughs> he's like, i'm just the driver man don't bother me i don't I'm out here to help you but he decides to go with it you know they're giving him whiskey and cigars and they tell him they're going to give him his you're going to give him a job for eighty thousand dollars a year which is a lot in 1983 and give him his own place and the butler so he goes he's enjoying the place he's in the jacuzzi having a damn good time he makes that joke of oh man if we wanted a jacuzzi at home we had a fart inside the <laughs> inside the pool that made me laugh that was another one of my favorite ones <laughs> that sounds like a daniel special like oh, i feel yeah. like you could have you could have written that one for sure oh yeah the solid gold uh i also like that when he first meets coleman coleman's trying to grab his jacket but he's like about to fight him because he thinks he's just trying to take it <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like back off man don't be trying be trying to take my jacket dude so good oh man uh and so yeah so then i guess at some point does coleman get a call or something because i found it the first time i i had rewatched this i was like wait how does coleman just go with all this i guess he is it when he gets that call and i guess they tell him like hey we're doing this experiment then yeah yeah we only hear coleman's side of that conversation but it's basically you can tell he's filling him in and it's one of those things where he acts like it's not the first time, you know, and we kind of yeah. get the, we definitely get the vibe and we definitely hear later that they've done this kind of experiment like, or test or whatever, multiple times. But that, that's what was so funny is clearly he hates them. You know, they pay him well and everything, but he, he hangs up the phone after they've filled him in on like, Hey, you got to kick uh Winthorpe out and you got to let uh, Eddie Murphy's character in and everything, but he hangs up the phone and he's like scumbags. You <laughs> yeah. know, he, he clearly <laughs> hates them too. So it's just, it's funny, but Hey, money, 
money speaks yeah, man you know you're kind of under their thumb so you got to do whatever they say and i do like the whole i enjoyed uh the process of watching dan Aykroyd's life fall apart in this movie it's just so oh, yeah. funny dude like it his is. reactions <laughs> and that's where that's where Aykroyd's acting job i think did such a good job is because at the beginning he really just he really successfully made you hate him oh yeah and you're just like oh you're the worst and so then when you see his life falling apart you're kind of like yeah you get what you deserve and then but then at the end you know you kind of see him come back up and you're happy for him so he, he did a good job on kind of making you feel what you're supposed to feel with the character all along the whole movie you know yeah he has a huge change of perspective it's kind of like he got scared straight or something like <laughs> Like when you have the kids that are like misbehaving and you send them to like a prison to, to like see this is where you'll end up. That's right. So I think he grew an appreciation for life in general. That this does kind of have an it's a wonderful life feel if you're looking at it from Dan Aykroyd's perspective because he needed to understand how lucky he was that things were working out for him as well as they were because in other circumstances he could have been like Eddie Murphy's character who's basically just scraping by and is underserved and you know especially um you know now there's there were obviously trying harder and harder to have more programs available for those underserved but back in the 80s I would imagine it was pretty much just you're out there and you're just trying to survive and it's still like that now for a whole bunch of people but um yeah I think they both uh getting those different perspectives is what makes this movie so interesting and i actually i meant i failed to mention that there's the the normal poster movie poster for this movie where they're kind of holding but they're together smiling and they're holding a bunch of cash that's probably the one you saw yeah there's a really cool one man and i think i'll probably use that one uh on instagram where you see them both looking in the mirror and Dan Aykroyd's in his suit looking in the mirror, but in the in the reflection, he's he's all beat up and messed up, like in the middle of the movie. Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah, it, I see it. Yeah, I'm looking it, it up right now. It looks pretty dope. Like, it is like that an is illustration. That is cool. I really like that one. Uh, there's That's a cool. bunch of weird posters. Like, I saw in, Jap- in Japan and a couple other Asian countries, they used, they made them look like, bo- like bobbleheads or something. For yeah, you. I'm looking at that one, too. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I miss the days of multiple movie posters, you know? Now you just get the one. I know, me too, man. Uh, So they're able to get Aykroyd in trouble because they they plant... First, they plant money on him, which gets him taken in. Then they find uh, PCP in his clothes. So this guy got completely screwed over because they hired that Mr. Beaks to, uh, to basically frame this guy. He gets thrown in the slammer. Uh, we see I like the scene at the bar where Eddie Murphy is looking fresh as and uh, he's in the bar he pays he pays his uh, I guess he had like a long unpaid tab at the bar <laughs> and this throws the cash like all of a sudden he's like a big baller he's just like throwing cash and shit girl comes up to him and guess who we see again who do we see again in this scene Trace? We see- our two favorite dudes man <laughs> I don't at all know their names, but there's the one guy and then the other guy who just says yeah all the yeah, time. Yeah, we got the Barry White looking motherfucker. The sugar and spice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he calls the other guy a Barry White looking. <laughs> yeah, that that made me laugh. You had that Jerry curl and I was like, oh, dang, that's right on. Classic, dude, classic. And they're like, hey, you're that dude I was going to carve out in the prison in the, in the, or in the holding cell or whatever. And uh, his friend like, yeah, uh, he tells him, dude, I'm serious. Like, I'm, I have a limousine. It's because he was talking big game, and it just happened that he ended up getting all this at that time. So they go out and they see his limousine, 
and uh, then he decides to throw a party at his place. Right. You know? That's my favorite. This, the, these, like, two dueling... Because that's the funny thing about this movie is you really don't see Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd on the screen together for much time at all. It's really kind of in that last, like, 20 minutes or so. But this is kind of my two favorite, like, parts for the separate characters is, uh, you know, Eddie kind of taking them all to his house and having this big party and kind of realizing like oh this ain't that great you know he, he yells at them all he's like who is putting their cools out on my rug <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps asking it over and over which really really made me laugh and then he eventually kicks them all out but at the same time you've got uh dan Aykroyd freaking being accused of being an angel dust dealer which just made me laugh so hard because it would be exactly what would happen to me he's like i don't even know what that drug is like i don't even know what this does and that would be me that literally that spawned my favorite line of this entire movie which is when uh you know his uh his girlfriend at the time penelope witherspoon she's the duke's grandniece and and his fiance and he's he's trying to hold on to her as his life is falling apart and she's like i don't really want to have anything to do with you but you know he he has this uh pcp angel dust uh rap against him yeah and she's she says to him she says i can't believe the man i wanted to marry whose babies i wanted to have and breastfeed is a drug dealer <laughs> it's like whoa it's like it was just the and breastfeed part that my wife and i were both cracking up it was uh, she really emphasized the breastfeed part it was so her funny. character was on point Penel- was it penelope yeah penelope witherspoon her another perfectly white name oh my gosh she plays that character so when she's sitting there waiting for him to get out of the holding cell and like everyone like everyone's kind of smushing her and there's a guy who just deadpan just goes like nice purse and then he kind of he's not even looking at her he's like looking in the distance like a crazy guy (laughs) it's just so good i'm like oh that perfectly captures like inner city people that are just kind of you know they're just kind of (laughs) weird so i'm looking her up and she this was basically all she did her name's Kristen darnell and she played this role and then she was in uh she was a supporting role in manhunter oh she's in manhunter that's it that's all that's all her film credits i love that movie that's one we might you know need to bring up i gotta find a mustache i don't know if there is one dang it i don't think she was a model for a long time she's swedish or no sorry uh norwegian she is incredibly incredibly gorgeous uh, yeah yeah she looks she great. doesn't look like a norwegian i guess i always stereotype norwegians to look blonde like me but i don't know mm, but i did love her character in this movie she did a good job yeah she did a great job uh, and this is uh when we we actually were introduced to jamie lee curtis and mr beaks uh pays her a hundred dollars to what he says prank uh, uh dan Aykroyd because he would enjoy it so she goes and she she's a, a lady of the night and she's a Roxanne. <laughs> she's a what? Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, she's a Roxanne. <laughs> you got the butter. And uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to get flagged for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Copyrighted material. There's no way that the computers could, could even figure no, out. They definitely don't care about our podcast. I, I sang that in <laughs> B-flarp. Like that, <laughs> that wasn't even a real... <laughs> anyway, so... She goes and she just starts making out with him and kissing him and telling her, like, I need it. I want that. Like, I'll do anything. And so she's basically acting like that angel dust, baby. Yeah. (laughs) She even, like, starts to unzip him and it's getting real. And Penelope loses her shit, slaps him in the face, gets in her car. And Jamie Lee Curtis tries to tell him, yeah, that guy, your friend, told me, like, this would be hilarious. But Mr. Mr. Uh, I keep forgetting his name. Mr. Beeps. Mr. Beeks. (laughs) Mr. Beeks is not there. 
and uh, we go from there, man. But I do like the way she was introduced in the movie. I thought she was so funny. Um, she was funny, and the funny thing is, she had that that wig on, and you don't know it's a wig. It looks real good. And me and me and my wife, who we've only seen Jamie Lee Curtis with kind of that pixie cut. Oh yeah, you know. And so we see it, and we're like, oh dang, I guess that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she had a she had some long locks back then. And then of course later, you know, just a couple minutes later in the film, we see her take off the wig, and she's got the the signature Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis and pixie cut. Man, so we're like, okay, I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure because I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, I'm trying to think of the movies I've seen of her in the 80s, but this might be one of the very first times we see that pixie cut uh, of Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, because she had the longer hair in Halloween yeah. and all that, right? Yeah. But she does look... It just works with her so well. She rocks it. She really does. She really does. And she's had, that, she's had that cut forever, so... Yeah. Go her. And so she teams up with him, and he's like, you know, he's trying to tell her, like, look, you know uh i'm rich and i have all these credit cards and she's even like are you trying to hustle me and he's like hustling like, i don't take you. credit cards <laughs> <laughs> uh those were the days back in i guess in the 80s when you're rich you just had like the biggest wallet ever and like a thousand credit cards like that's just how it worked and now if you're rich you just got like bitcoin or something yeah i don't, I don't think you flex it's all invisible like 10 credit cards in your wallet yeah like, dude why don't you use apple pay bro <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny and the, so he goes back to his place and he knocks on the door coleman acts like he doesn't know who he is it reminded me of it's a wonderful life uh because it was like as if <laughs> this dude had no idea he ever existed <laughs> george bailey who's that <laughs> who are you you've never existed so he freaks out i i, I like that he goes to the bank and I like that he announces he's like I'd like to take out uh, this one thousand dollars. I never go to the bank and just announced how much money would it take out. I'd rather people not know. Who even goes to the bank anymore? I feel like I can't remember the last time I went into a bank to do something. <laughs> I avoid that place at all costs, even pre-pandemic. It's well, like I don't want to go in there. Yeah, the bank's trying to avoid us at all costs. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why they made all. Just that. give us your money and shut up. Pretty much. Don't come in here. Pretty much. Uh, and so the IRS fr- freezes his account. So now he's he can't even access his money. He's like just on a thin line. But you know, Jamie Lee Curtis brings him back in and says like she's going to help him. Basically, he's like an investment to her. She's like, well, if he actually has his money, he's telling the truth. And I think she finds that out by looking at his heads because <laughs> they're so soft. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, you've never done an honest day's work in your life, have you? Pretty much, if anyone looked at both our heads. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, I have the softest little baby butt hands ever. I've definitely never done hard labor. Like, I got to be careful opening an envelope. My soft hands will just cut right open if I get a paper cut, man. I'll just, get, I'll just bleed <laughs> for like two hours. So- Join us every week by heading to realtruefactspodcast.com. We discuss aliens, Bigfoot, robots, fairies, conspiracy theories. That's realtruefactspodcast.com. And keep questioning your world because just because you hear about it or read about it doesn't mean it's true. So, uh, so yeah, he goes on. He goes there. Then we're we're with the super rich white bros. The, I, the super 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 white bros, <laughs> and they're te- teaching Eddie what commodity brokering is all about. And he gets to it pretty quick. He's like, "Oh yeah, I get it. Y'all are like a couple of bookies." <laughs> like yeah, pretty much. That's what they do. Like uh, yeah, I guess you could say yeah, that works out. Edward. So <laughs> or whatever they called him, they kept they kept what they get because they, he's Billy Ray and they kept calling him William and he's like it's Billy Ray and they kept, they just kept calling him William yeah. like they didn't care. It's like no, we want to so give you funny. a king's name, William. You know, just sounds more important. And then uh, 
if there's a part where he's like he makes a pretty solid move eddie like he t- tells them like oh no hold up you know uh, i think this is going to be a thing like just hold up and he gives like a whole reasoning behind some bullshit that's going on where they're trying to start trading something and he tells him to hold up i don't know if you have notes about that but basically he's shown that he knows what he's doing like he's getting a knack for it yeah it it was that was kind of something that the pacing of it was a little strange where it's like literally from one scene he's just like this streetwise guy who's talking real kind of you know uh streetwise and whatnot being all jokey and stuff and then it's literally just kind of a snap thing where it's like the next scene suddenly he's like oh i'm really smart now yeah and, and from like as from that point on it's kind of so uh, it, so in snl know. there's another skit that he has where he literally goes does white face and he becomes a white guy and he put they put makeup on him and a little mustache and uh he goes out there and it's really funny the way he walks and everything and he does this white guy voice and he pretty much uses that voice as the like i i don't even remember when it happened but at some point he was saying a line and i was like oh he's doing that white guy voice (laughs) where he starts talking like this a little bit and gets a little (laughs) bit more serious and so he was doing that voice so yeah i don't know when he learned that or why he started to do that maybe just because he was surrounded by other white people i don't know the only thing better is dave Chappelle imitating white people oh his That's, is comedically hilarious it's, it's so spot on so, it's so good <laughs> i didn't know i could do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's what it sounds like uh so yeah so he there's he's obviously showing that he's pretty good even mortimer tries to like leave a little uh, cash behind thinking he'll just steal it and he can win the bet but no eddie murphy runs down the stairs while they're going on the elevator and gives it back to them gives it back to mortimer so he's showing promise and uh, so then there's a point eventually um i do like the scene by the way i was gonna skip that but i like the scene with bo diddley i don't know if you know who bo diddley is but he's a famous uh, rock guitarist from way back right. in the day and he has a cameo in this movie um he is in the uh, pawn shop scene and he is hilarious he automatically does not believe winthorpe's watches he thinks it's stolen he's like, oh man this thing is so hot i can't even touch it like <laughs> And uh, he wants to give him 50 bucks for a watch that probably was like a, a couple grand. And uh, I love that scene because you really do see like, yeah, this is what it's like when you look like shit. You come into places and um, you've been living rough and you're just you using the clothes that you got. You haven't been able to take a shower. Yeah, people treat you different. <laughs> you know? Yep. There are so many good uh, cameos in this one, too. You've got freaking Jamie Lee Curtis's sister. Kelly Curtis is in there. There's uh, Muppets Puppeteers, Frank Oz and Richard Hunt Oh, nice. are, are in this. And then you've got, of course, uh, Tom Davis and Al Franken, two more uh, SNL guys. Senator Al Franken coming in, <laughs> yeah, looking cross-eyed. Disgraced and- Senator Al Franken, everybody. <laughs> like who? What a fall from grace that guy's had. Woof. you got to admit, it's kind of insane that this guy actually got successfully for, for a moment in his life successfully into politics. And he was playing a cross-eyed, drunkard, stoner guy in this movie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's, he is hilarious. He's had quite the arc in his life, Mr. Al. <laughs> yeah, quite the arc. Uh, uh, he was very funny in this movie, but unfortunately, life happens. And, yeah. you know. R.I.P. 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 to that life. R.I.P. to your career, to your sir. Career. 
<laughs> and uh, and we just basically we see the downfall of Dan Aykroyd. He just starts losing his shit. He sees Eddie Murphy in restaurants. He's smoozing with all these uh, elites and t- basically taking his life. He took you know trading places, which by the way is funny because they're in trading commodities, so trading places it all kind of works. And uh, yeah, Dan Aykroyd loses his shit. Eventually he goes to a Christmas. Uh, you want to describe this Christmas scene? Because I really like the Christmas party at the at the Duke and Dukes. <laughs> Yeah, basically, once he gets in that Santa suit, it's just like it's that's where it really gets oh, funny for so me. Good. Is, he's he's in that Santa suit. He's like going to this Christmas party. He's stealing all this food, and then of course that gets to that scene where he's like on the bus, you know, and he's got like this. <laughs> I think it's like bread or something. Dude, that's, like that's under, fish. I think that's or fish. Yeah, uh, it looks. It just it's this big hunk of like whatever <laughs> halibut, and and he's like trying to <laughs> halibut some cod or something <laughs> under there. But he's, like, trying to eat it on the bus, but he's, like, pushing it up through his fake Santa beard. So he's getting, like, some of the fish and, like, some of the beard hairs. And, like, everyone on the bus is, like, looking at him like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, he just looks so gross. He's so, and he's super drunk at this point. He's, like, drinking, like, a whole bottle of whiskey. I just I saw when I was looking up those movie posters, there's, like, a poster on Etsy or something that somebody made. And it just has him in that Santa suit. It just says Merry Christmas. It looks like a Christmas oh, card. So I'm like, good. oh, man. I want that. But yeah, he's he's so funny once he gets into that. And that's where we kind of start seeing him and uh him and uh, uh Billy Ray start kind of getting in the shots together. Yes. And it, it's clear that the filmmakers are kind of trying to bring them together so that kind of the plan can move forward in terms of them uniting against the Dukes. Yeah, cuz Eddie Murphy realizes that the the Dukes have this whole plan. Uh he starts getting suspicious about it and he finally figures it out. So then yeah, he chases down uh winthorpe who's trying to off himself and he takes a but he tries to shoot himself doesn't work the gun's jabbed or something even though he throws the gun and it does end up going off and then he goes home he takes some pills tries to kill himself that way but it doesn't work out the doctor saves his life and he's they send they take him back to his mansion and he wakes up and he sees coleman there he's like oh coleman i had the worst dream I was, I think he says something like, I was poor and no one liked me. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a good line. That was one of my favorite ones. (laughs) And he he mentions this black man that was ruining his life. And then he looks up and he sees Eddie Murphy and he starts choking him. And then Eddie Murphy's like, the Dukes, the Dukes, it was the Dukes. (laughs) That made me think of you. I was like, that would be a Daniel thing. The Dukes, the Dukes, the Dukes. (laughs) And uh, that is so funny. Eventually, Eddie Murphy tells him like what's going on. That these two guys are trying to screw us over, and for a for a dollar, by the way, this is what they had on the on the wager was a dollar. And yeah, uh, they start trying to destroy their plan. They find they realize that Mister Beeks is also helping them with figuring out this crop to to basically manipulate this crop report or get his hands on a crop report. Yeah, he was supposed to get his hands on the crop report so that way then he could he was getting paid off to show the dukes the crop report so that way they would know exactly uh what to do in trading uh so they could take get the upper hand and make a shitload of money. So then there's this whole subway scene that I guess is supposed to be a New Year's Eve costume party because everyone's in costumes for no reason. <laughs> My wife said the same thing. She was like, "When, when, since when do people put costumes on for New Year's Eve?" And and we get a Belushi sighting yeah, in, in this. Good old Jim Belushi. You know, it's an old Jim Belushi movie when uh, he goes by Jim Belushi or was it Jimmy James? No, James Belushi. Well, James Belushi. Yeah. yeah, you'll see James Belushi in the credits. That's when you know it's an older Jim Belushi movie. But he plays a loudmouth piece of shit like he always does, and. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, sorry, are you talking about you or are you talking about James Belushi? <laughs> talking about James Belushi. All right, I'll sign off now. Thank you. <laughs> Not Daniel James. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm a loudmouth kind of shitty person. <laughs> and he he's in a gorilla suit and he's just being like a total jock guy. This is a whole bunch of things going on. We find out there's a live gorilla on the train, on the Amtrak. Which doesn't look believable at all. Like It's like, oh... It's kind of awkward. Yeah. Now they just use CGI for the gorilla, you know, yeah. but it's a little, the, little it's see-through there. It's kind of Planet of the Apes style with some animatronic facial things to make it look kind of real. Actually, at the time, this was pretty great, Trace. But <laughs> but yes, looking at it now looks like crap. Because you can tell the difference. I mean, that they're both costumes, but you look at his and you look at Belushi's and there's a huge contrast. Like... You know what I mean? Like in quality. Yeah. It is kind of crazy when you're like, wh- I, we watched E.T. recently and it's kind of nuts when you look at even like the beginning of the 80s versus the end of the 80s and just how far kind of the, the late 80s, early 90s, I feel like is kind of the height of practical effects, yeah. you know, and costuming and, and makeup and stuff. And like, I do kind of miss that because now it's just so much CGI and so much computer yeah. stuff. And it's like really kind of that late 80s, early 90s is that perfect sweet spot. But even the early 80s, it's it's still just a little kind of old looking, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, the, Except Star Wars. Somehow Star Wars still looks good. But I don't, you know, that's just freaking <laughs> witch magic. I don't know how George Lucas did that. <laughs> yeah, before they tried to touch it up with CGI. Have you ever seen the ones where they touched it up with CGI? No. Like, Is it bad? Yes, dude. Horrible. Because they decided to do that like in 2000, like early 2000s or late 90s or so. I think it was the late 90s. And he decided to re-release the original trilogy, but with CGI upgrades, but the 90s CGI. And it just looks like trash. Yikes. Ugh. It looks like trash. Uh, anyway, I don't even going to get into that. But, um, but yeah, the whole Amtrak thing, they try to do this whole bit where they're all dressed up as these stereotypical characters. I will say Eddie Murphy's kind of makes me laugh because I like that he's trying to play a guy from Cam, uh, was it, uh, Cameroon or uh, Cameroon, yeah. Cameroon, and in, in his character, all he does is go ah 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 ah. He just laughs loud. It's big laughs. <laughs> and then I like it because he starts doing uh, like a gibberish song, and he's like doing the song, and then he goes beef jerky time like out of nowhere. <laughs> It's like a commercial. <laughs> it kind of got me. I did, I did laugh at Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, character in this because she has all of this German-looking <laughs> like ge- like gear on and all this stuff, but then she does a Swedish accent and she's like, "Oh, can you help me with my bag?" You know, doing the Swedish accent. And then I looked it up. I didn't even notice the discrepancy, but I looked it up later, and it's like she couldn't do a German accent. Like they had this whole mix of German attire on her, but like she couldn't do a German accent, so she was like, oh, "I'm just gonna do a Swedish accent." And they were like, "Okay, that's whatever. hilarious." It made for a funnier <laughs> just bit didn't even because care. they kept saying stuff like, "Aren't you supposed to be German?" And she's like, "I'm Swedish." <laughs> 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 yeah, that's good stuff. And they they end up be, they try to basically tr- uh, switch out the uh, suitcases because Mr. Beeks has the report in his suitcase, but he catches them, sends them to the back of the subway. Not the subway, the Amtrak. He's about to try to shoot them and end them, but then stupid <laughs> Jim Belushi comes through in his gorilla suit, starts like, hey, man, we're having a party. Like, what's up? What's going on here? The He ends up, I think he bumps Jim Belushi in the head, Mr. Beaks. The gorilla that's in the cage that's back there gets jealous and pissed, bumps Mr. Beaks in the head. He's knocked out. They tape him up, remove Jim Belushi's costume, put it on Mr. Beaks, throw him in the cage, and one of my, the, probably... Baby Jim Belushi's favorite line is he comes out 
with the just his boxer and he goes, Hey, look what happened to me <laughs> <laughs> When you're having a good time, you know, who cares, yeah. right? Yeah, that was such a party feeling. Like, hey, dude, check it out. They took my shit off. I'm naked now. I only have boxers on now. <laughs> I feel like this movie would be fun watching with, like, friends. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm actually having a way better time just chatting with you about it as opposed to watching it. You <laughs> yeah, know? where you're it just, just you like and your wife is just kind of like. Yeah, uh, we're both like, eh, I don't know about this. But uh, yeah, reviewing it has been more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so then they race back. They Jamie Lee Curtis and Coleman give give them a bunch of money to invest because now they have the actual crop report, and they give the Duke brothers a phony one, and they pretend. I, I guess I'm not sure if it, I guess it's Dan Aykroyd pretending to be Mr. Beeks, and he they're in the dark so they they couldn't see him. They give him the phony one, and they get the money. They go to this New York Stock Exchange, and Dan Aykroyd's telling Eddie Murphy, "You got to be." ruthless this is gonna be one of the most carnage you've ever seen and blah 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 and you know really talking it up and what i did read uh was that initially they tried to shoot this with actual you know all the trading and stock guys <clears throat> in the new york stock exchange but they were so distracted with what was going on with seeing eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd that they weren't doing any trades and it was actually messing up the stock market so then they had to re that to get everything down go get leave come back on the weekend and, and bring in a bunch of extras so it probably ended up costing way more money to shoot that whole scene there well it's funny because i i saw they had they did have a lot of extras like you said and then there still were some of the real traders there that they brought in and they said that like actually in the scene that they filmed the traders were nicer and less physical with each other than they usually are like in real life oh wow so like even though in that scene it looks like bedlam and they're all just like pushing each other and like freaking out and like it gets real physical they're like oh yeah actually like in comparison to a real work day, like this is more chill than it usually is. I was like, dang, yeah. I couldn't do that job. I'd just be punching dudes in the nuts left and right. You might you be know? okay though, because it seems like this being a, a trader has a lot to do, or a stockbroker person has a lot to do with height because you're trying to show yourself and trying to like stick out of the crowd and maybe even having a big head. So, <laughs> bro. <laughs> But you know me though, dude. Like anyone touching me, nah, absolutely. Yeah, you would not. give. You would be like, ah, uh, no, no, I can feel someone's breath on my neck. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. No thanks. <laughs> uh, I would just be giving the trace face to everyone. You know, <laughs> anybody that touched me, I'd just be like staring at him, like I hate you. <laughs> so, so the Dukes are just so confident, and I think they're buying all of the the froze the concentrate orange concentrate, right? Aren't they? buying a whole bunch so that because yeah so i think they're buying it all so that they can control the price basically so that they're in charge of it it's one of those things that what i was looking at basically these filmmakers said that they knew that the ending was going to be complicated and hard for people to kind of understand unless you're in like finance yeah. and stuff and they said basically they just tried their best to get the characters get people to care about eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd's character so much that they didn't super care i think if you watch it you can kind of just understand like okay they made the rich dudes poor but you don't really understand like the ins and outs of how it happened unless like that's your like i bet my dad who's an oh, accountant yeah. he could probably watch it and be like oh yeah this is what happened but you know you and me dumbass if we don't <laughs> yeah. know what it is yeah you know? it's kind of magical because you know they they have they don't you know the the dukes they're they have a big seat in the house you know so they they don't even do the actual trading or the buying of anything they have a guy like a tradesman guy that goes down and does all the dirty work and gets in with all the in the pit and he's buying a bunch of bunch of stuff and then uh, once then then all of a sudden 
the agricultural department comes up and he's like crops have been doing great the winter has not had any effect on the orange crops and everyone's like holy shit we just bought a <laughs> you know like everyone is screwed and uh eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd do fantastic they're able to get all their a shitload of money the dukes lose like i think they owe like over 300 million which they don't have so then some official guy who doesn't even give his title we don't know who the hell he is but he freezes he's like your accounts are your assets are going to be frozen as well as all the duke and duke firms assets randolph is so shocked this might be my favorite scene randolph is so shocked that he's like oh my and he grabs his chest and he starts <laughs> having a heart attack and the guy's like uh, mortimer your brother doesn't seem to be doing well and mortimer goes fuck him i, I want all these machines shut down the best thing about that too is, uh, I guess, uh, Amici. I forget his first name. The guy who was playing Mortimer, um, he was he didn't like like the actor hated cursing, and he would like apologize to some <laughs> of the other people on set before he had to curse. And so that that scene specifically where he where he said f you you know f him about his brother, yeah. like he he said he would only do one take because he he well, just hated he saying curse words. Landed so. it like swoosh oh, yeah. from the from the three point line swoosh because oh yeah it was perfect i could not stop laughing at that i rewinded it like three times like that is so funny because you see his brother just keel over and he's like not caring at all and that's like the only redeeming quality about them is obviously they're two horrible like disgusting people but it seems like they care about each other like it seems like they love each other as brothers and they're like sticking together and yeah they argue and they have these different points of view but it seems like you know they're brothers like they love each other and then clearly they don't care, no they're know? so greedy even within just being brothers they're like ah, i don't care you know this is about my money now i don't <laughs> i don't care if he dies that's right and so then yeah we see randolph get put he's still alive but he's he's obviously not doing great and he mentions like where you know what happened to mr beaks like what's going on this guy was supposed to hook us up they did pay him a lot of money to do their job and um and so yeah so then uh bada bing bada boom you know then Aykroyd and eddie murphy they win we see them in like the caribbean and they're celebrating and everyone's happy he's getting he's getting uh dan Aykroyd's getting the kiss blown to him from uh jamie lee curtis on their yacht you know <laughs> yeah dude it's, just, it's a we oh and they also brought coleman coleman made his money so now he's a freaking millionaire and enjoying the life yeah that was nice they brought coleman along and he was helping out. i think he might have been the one that pretended to be beaks and and give him the money because he got or give him the crop report because he got in on the act and that was kind of nice to see him redeem himself after going along with their stupid scheme you yeah. know and well i honestly think he didn't was, was mind nice. going along with the scheme because i think he just couldn't wait for dan Aykroyd to get out of the house i think he couldn't stand him he couldn't stand winthrop i guess but then he he helped him so quickly kind of when he came back you know yeah maybe he kind of saw it in him he's like oh you know this guy it's like all right you learned your lesson young yeah, one he's back he's back now i'll be nice <laughs> <laughs> so uh definitely a lot of memorable characters in this movie i actually did not prepare uh to have a um to have a quick impression as you know trace i do uh quick impressions for all my movies of course and this is a little segment i like to call quick impressions <laughs> quick impressions fuck him thank you <laughs> clapping thank you clapping over here well that done. might be my quickest quick impression of all time i'm not sure it almost I sounded like i, I did sneeze. really laugh 
your 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 impression on my show earlier uh, was was great in the judge dread <laughs> episode one more plug for that yeah. one that was, that, very, was also, that got us both laughing that was also one word technically the law. The law. um so as you know uh i do rate these movies by my favorite mustaches and i will go over it for you trace so there's the full fu manchu recommendation there is the walrus mustache recommendation which is pretty darn good there is the horseshoe mustache recommendation which is eh, not bad then there is the toothbrush mustache recommendation or the hitler mustache which means let this movie burn in hell <laughs> do you that's a steep drop off yeah 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 i i i, I don't even know <laughs> i don't know why i made these ratings but this is what they are what would you what would you what would you give this movie man i would honestly so if you would have asked me this question at the beginning i would have said a, i would have said a horseshoe you know it's all right yeah there's definitely some stuff that doesn't hold up there's definitely some cringy stuff that's not cool by today's standards and that stuff still obviously is part of it but i think after talking about this with you and i would think this is one that probably after a second viewing you watched it twice i only watched it once but and i, I assume you've seen this before anyway but if, if i watch this movie again i, I think i'm gonna upgrade it i'll give it just scraping in to the to the walrus oh. mustache uh, level I'll give it that. It doesn't quite get to the highest of highs, uh, and the problematic stuff obviously holds it back. But I'll, I'll give it just scraping into that that walrus mustache uh, level yeah, for man. me. I I actually completely agree. I probably a little higher, closer to full full Fu Manchu, but um, I think it's a solid walrus mustache movie. Just there are. And mustache wise, tons of mustaches in this movie. Eddie Murphy that is has true. his mustache. That but is true. Dang, I kept noticing more and more. I was like, it, it, once you start doing this mustache movie stuff, man, it's kind of like when you have a car and you start noticing other people driving your car. That's, That's right. what it's like with doing this thing. So I started noticing all these mustaches. But either way, it's it's it, there are a lot of things that are problematic, but then there are so many things that still to this day make so many people laugh and and a whole bunch of people in Italy laugh apparently. <laughs> Which is <laughs> Do you have a bus a best mustache in this movie because I've got mine. I, w- I wonder if yours is oh. similar to mine. Well, tell me tell me what yours is. What to do? I think mine is it's got to be Don Amici's sweet little uh, little toothbrush mustache <laughs> there. I know it's not I know it's the lowest on your ranking scale but he just looked uh, perfectly debonair with that thing on there. He lo- he looked like a handsome <laughs> old man with that kind of thin thin grandpa like mustache, you know. There's a guy that greets uh, Winthorpe when he first by the way the funny scene when Winthorpe's going to his office and we see him for the first time and everyone's telling him good morning and he's like oh good morning go go good morning and he's not looking at yeah. anyone in the eyes it's so funny he doesn't care so good uh he laid that out perfectly there's a guy that first welcomes him he has a great mustache I don't even know if you remember him but I liked it <laughs> I'll have to go back so and refine that one yours is much more niche than mine <laughs> Which is very you. Yeah. It's like whatever's popular, you're not going to pick that yeah. one. No, sir. But there were some good ones, man. Um, you know, thanks so much, Chase, for joining the show today. I had a really, really good time, man. Appreciate it, brother. Do you have anything to plug? Any any upcoming episodes? Any movies you're covering coming up that you'd want the people to know about? Well, like you said, it'll probably be a couple episodes back by the time uh, by the time people get around to to this one. But we've we've got Marvel movies, we've got DC movies, we've got all kinds of stuff coming up. So just follow us. Uh, we're at superhero soup 
on uh, Twitter and then at superhero underscore soup on Instagram. You can find us just by searching superhero soup at wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, that's that's where we nice, are. Man. Find us and uh, and follow us and listen. In. Yeah, follow them. Follow their their socials. And also, when you listen to the podcast, give them a good solid rate and review. And the same for for the Mustachio Podcast. Still, give us five stars. If you're going to give us anything less, then just direct message us and let us know your complaints, and we'll we'll address them accordingly. But don't bother giving us any ratings if it's not going to be five stars. It's that easy. Anyway, everybody, you can find. <laughs> You can follow the show. That's great customer service yeah, there. You I love it. it. You can follow the show at uh, Mustachioed Podcastio on Instagram, M O U S T A C I O, and M Podcastio on Twitter. And we have a Facebook, but we don't care about it. I say we, it's just me. I don't care about it. Anyway. No, you know what? I don't care about it either. All right. <laughs> just for you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, everyone, we until next time. Um, uh, comb your mustache and uh, take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.